What the hell is the name of this song? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant? I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. He tried to get me in mid-chew. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the latest, greatest, ballsiest podcast you'll ever hear. Ballsy. I'm Barry Horn. Evan Grant is away on assignment. Kevin Sherrington is naked and afraid in Brazil, and with me today on this Cowboy Ballsy podcast, we have the hardest working man in show business, David Moore. David, how are you today? I'm sorry, who is this? I don't recognize your voice. Yeah, you know, I listened to last week's podcast, and and your words were... Oh, you did, so you did extend yourself and listen to last week's podcast. And your words were, were, were mutinous, if not treasonous, when you questioned... When you question my my ability to work, I think you sucked up to Evan when you try to convince him that the podcast no longer needed Kevin and me, didn't you, David? Didn't you? I I did do that. I I think I was just a suggestion. What whatever Evan wanted to do with it was up to him. Yeah, because everybody knows this is really Evan's baby. Um, but let's That's get what he tells everybody. Oh, he does all the work too. That's what he tells everybody too. Uh, and, and that's why he cashes the big paycheck. But anyway, I just, I just, I just want to go back to my favorite movie of all time, my cousin Vinny. And you remember the seminal. You remember the that is that is your favorite movie. Oh, of by all far. Time. And you remember the seminal scene. By far. Oh, by far. Citizen Kane. Forget it. No, no. Okay, when, when remember when Vincent Laguardia Gambini has Sheriff Farley on the stand, and he doesn't know what he's going to say, and he goes, Sheriff Farley, what do you got? So let me ask you this, David. What do you got? I got nothing. Because it's it, training camp has turned into one boring training camp, hasn't it? That, if, if training camp reflects the personality of your head coach, then I think this is settled into what uh, he wants. So he, he wants, uh, yeah, he want, you know, he, it, you had the initial burst where you had the questions about Rolando McClain or Randy Gregory, and then you have Kellen Moore go down in the uh, fourth practice uh, of camp. Then, then you have the debate about, okay, you've got to get a veteran back up in here. That subsided because they've said, look, we're going to play this out, and uh, we may do something, but we're not going to do it immediately. We're not going to be rushed into a decision. And now you've just settled into day after day after day of practice, except for the day off, which was yesterday. Well, and what, what, what happened yesterday? Was there a big media party yesterday? I, I've heard reports that there were, was a media party, yes. And that you did not attend because you were working? I, I believe I may have been at the media party. So you know, know, working it, working it strictly. Oh, I, I know. You, you, were going know gonna happen. you were going around with your pad and pencil and your iPhone videotaping everything. <laughs> you, know, you know what that training camp needs? That training camp needs a, uh, what's her name, Yulia Efimova. Do you know who I'm talking about? I'm not quite sure. I think you butchered the name. Maybe you pronounce the name correctly. Oh, what, uh, pronounce it for me, David. No, I know. No, go ahead, please. Well, Thank you know, she, she's the Russian swimmer, the cheating Russian swimmer that NBC has. has she is now taking There's the There's pl- only one? Well, <laughs> she, 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 she was the one in the pool yesterday that lost to, to mom and apple pie and everything, and, and it, was, it was a great moment for America. She has replaced the East Germans. In the in in the NBC uh, storytelling thing, she is the villainous, and uh, it, it was quite a moment for America. But let me ask you this: so the story in in Tuesday's Dallas Morning News talks about 
a slogan, the new slogan of, of camp, that which tells us that there's not much going on. The 17-inch slogan, what is that about? Well, it's about, as Jason Garrett will tell you, it's about accountability and how there are certain things that just don't change, and it's the, the play that's 17 inches. It reinforces all of these uh, things in sports that are 17 inches and just how these are some mutable properties of sports and this is also you have a sense of obligation to yourself and your teammates and that doesn't change uh it doesn't matter the situation you still have that responsibility uh just like these 17 inches don't change where where did he he come up with that do you know did he spend all off season coming up with that he hey jason garrett has notebooks together and uh i he certainly gave thought to what it was he wanted, what message he wanted to get across, and in what way he was going to get across that message. He spends he spends a lot of time on that in the off season. You know, he he's talked before about how um, you know he analyzes other professions and see how they communicate and get the same message across. And I remember him talking one time about how um, he started talking about preachers and how it's like you know it's the same message a lot of times over and over, but you have to find different entry points in. You have to find different ways to keep it fresh, even though it's the same message. Uh, you have to find something that's going to resonate. So I think he has some basic precepts that, that he wants and tones that he wants to set for a season, and he goes through and looks at different ways and say, okay, this is what we did last year. What can I do this year that's going to get across the same point? Um, but will intrigue these guys and, and keep them engaged, and, and maybe it's something they can rally around. A, a simple, again, it's, it's basically like a, um, you know, it's no different than uh, a Madison Avenue marketing firm just coming up with a marketing uh, idea for the season. He wants to come up with a motivational idea for the season that can reduce down to a T-shirt. Kind, kind of. I, I know that sounds simplistic, but I mean that, that's in large part what he wants to do. Well, and, and 17 inches is the width of, of home plate and baseball, and he, so he's mixing his, his, his sports, mixing his metaphors. I, yes, I, it's mainly baseball, yeah. This comes from his baseball background. Now, now, that, now that we've bored everybody, let me get into the most pressing question of training camp. How's Gavin Escobar? I always bore people. How's, how's, Gavin, oh, how's Gavin Escobar? Okay. How's he looking? Has, has he been on the field yet? He's been on the field. Um, has not done much when he's been on the field. I would say Jeff Swain has had a very good camp. So he's so Gavin Escobar is in midseason form already. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes, or peak form even. So so you know it, it's I really mean, you know all kidding aside, uh, it's it's really surprising and a testament to how hard he worked because they didn't envision him being back until right at the end of training camp, and he's been here from the start and has been able to take part in things. I don't think he's right physically yet, but just the fact he is out there puts him a month or even two months ahead of what the projections were on where he could have been. Well, that, that's good. That's good news. But you know, I opened my paper this morning and I saw. I, do you talk to Tim Callishaw when he's out there? He's, I know he's out there, but is he is he too busy to talk to you? Oh, he wouldn't talk to me yesterday. He he nodded. Yeah, uh, he yeah, didn't say anything. He's, he's got he his, didn't verbalize. He's anything. got his little ESPN radio show. He's got his uh, ar- buddy next to uh, around the yeah. horn. He he and Matt Mosley. Are they ever separate? Do they ever separate? No, no. I have but, not seen, not on the road at least. No. 
But but he but he he wrote a column today saying basically that the Cowboy any any talk or interest in who the number two quarterback might be to replace Kellen Moore is is, is, irre- is irrelevant. And uh, I don't quite see it that way. He, basically, his point was Tony Romo has, has been healthy. Last year was an aberration. He's Tony Romo is younger than three of the four quarterbacks who started in the uh, NFC and AFC championship game. And uh, let's not worry beyond Tony Romo. Uh, do you feel the same way? Well, it's it's irrelevant until it's not. I mean, there's no there's no in between with the backup quarterback, and um, and and there's also a variation there too. I mean, are you talking about needing a backup quarterback to get you through one game or to finish a game, or are you talking about needing a backup quarterback like last season where you need it for the bulk of the season? Uh, those are two very different things. But I, I would argue that you look at it, last year was the aberration. I mean, you go back to 2010 where Tony missed a lot of time with the, uh, with the shoulder, uh, broke the other uh, clavicle. Um, then last year, the games he missed. And I know there's, this, there's been so much consternation in recent years about his back and how that was going to be an issue. But you go back over the previous three seasons and look at how many games he missed with the back injury – and it's minimal. It really is. And, and people will say, well, look, he hadn't completed. He hadn't played a full season, I think, in six years or something like that. Well, yeah, but he's playing 14 and 15 games. It, it, you know, and, and how many quarterbacks around the league don't miss a game here or there? So I, I, think, I think the perception of how many games Tony has missed is inflated because that one year he only missed one game, but it was the most important game of the year. It right. was the final game against Philadelphia with the back. Right. So I think everyone has it in their mind, oh, you know, because that's when you needed him most and he was unable to play. So I think it, you project it to always missing games all the time because of the back. He's missed very few games because of the back in the last three years. Uh, the, the vast majority of those have, become, have come with the collarbone break. And... Again, that is not, you know, I think you have to consider that the aberration. Um, you went six years between breaks. Or, you know, so let's, let's see. I know everyone's going to go, well, he, he's older. Uh, now you have the back. You have the shield, you know, the collarbone. Oh, right. It's just there's too much. It's all, it's all adding up. And I agree that the game, the toll the game is taking on his body is, is adding up. But I don't think that means because he broke his collarbone twice last year. Once because, look, let's face it, he came back He came back a few weeks before he should have because the season was slipping away. And he felt and the team felt if he didn't play at that point, there would be nothing to play for. As it turned out, there was nothing to play for. And uh, he rebroke it. Because so, did, 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 I see, did I see a – quote from Stephen Jones the other day saying he'd rather have Tony Romo than any other quarterback uh, in the NFL. Did you see that? Did you hear him say that? I was there when he said that, yes. Did anybody laugh? Did Or did, did, did everybody – do you agree with that? Well, no. I mean, there are better quarterbacks in the league. Uh, there are quarterbacks who have certainly won more playoff games in the league. Uh but I, I don't take that. I mean, that's a show of faith in the, in the guy that you have. And that you know what? Um, they determined several years ago from a financial standpoint and everything else that uh, 
Tony was going to be their quarterback until he couldn't play anymore. And they're fully committed to him all the way through. And they had several different stages along the way to make a different determination and did not. So this is about loyalty and expressing your confidence in someone more than an objective um, analysis of where they stand in the league. All right. So, so what's the situation with the backup quarterback now? Uh, they're certainly not going into the season with Dak Prescott as their number two, are they? Please tell me now. I find that hard to believe that that will happen. I, I think that uh, – but I, I don't think anything's necessarily going to happen here in the next week to ten days. I, if, I, with, with this one proviso, I, I think if Dak Prescott and Jameel Showers are absolutely horrible in the Rams game, the preseason opener this Saturday – uh, if they were completely un- ineffective, then I think you're going to see a renewed push by the Cowboys to okay, um, we can't sell this anymore. We, can, you know, we've got to. And, and it's not about selling it. Remember, it's not about selling it to the fans. It's about selling it to the players sure, out here. Absolutely, uh, the players have to believe that. Look, uh, you know, if Tony misses a game or two here or there, we're okay with these guys. If um, and. If they're so bad in that game that it's hard to continue to to use that narrative, and then you come back and they're going to play six days later, so you're they're going to play these next two games um, a lot. And if they struggle mightily in that, I, I think it's going to Dallas is going to be okay. We're going to have to move sooner rather than later. We can't wait till the end of the preseason when we have a little more options and they may be more. Uh, fiscally viable, we're going to have to force the issue and do something now. But I, I think it's going to play out over these next, uh, what, 11, 12 days. So are, are you saying they're waiting for a quarterback to be cut? Is, is that is that is that what you're saying? Well, not – well, that's an option uh, because a lot of teams don't carry three quarterbacks anymore. Right. Now, Dallas would carry three quarterbacks this year, but a lot of teams don't. They use that roster spot elsewhere. Uh, so there will be a few veteran guys who, who certainly have won games in this league um, that will be cut or be available. Also, at that point, you'll have uh, teams that may be more receptive to letting loose of their backup quarterback for a more reasonable price. Uh, Cleveland's an example. Um, you know, if, if their third-round pick has a really good training camp and they go, you know what? Uh, we're still going to win only five games this year. We're all about the draft going forward. Josh McCallan is a 37-year-old veteran quarterback. Could he help us win some more games? Sure. But is that going to help us in the long run? No. So you know what? We'll, Dallas, we know you want him. So we're going to ask for less of a draft pick than we're asking for right now when we believe you're desperate. Can so you a lot of this is just leverage. I mean, is Jerry trying to get across that we're not desperate. We're not going to be held hostage by this. So you know what? You just go ahead and hold on to Josh McGowan because we're not going to pay your price. Can, and and then and then, but then when the quarterback, if if that is the situation, and by the way, I'm surprised of your negativity uh, in, in talking about <laughs> Prescott and Jamil Showers because you know you, I didn't hear you say. But if they have outstanding preseason games in their first two preseason games, uh, you know you, you didn't you didn't give us that scenario, but that's okay. Uh, can can Ron Leary bring a bring a quarterback? Is is he a chip in that? Sure, 
Sure, but you know, again, and here's the I know people are saying we'll just trade him and and get you a quarterback in. Uh, you, you might be able to do that, um, but then what happens one week later? Zach Martin goes down, you know, or uh, or Lyle Collins goes down, and then you really have no viable backup guard uh, that you feel good about plugging in there. I mean, I guess Looney would be, but uh, I mean, I tell you. Ron Leary is having a very, very good camp. Uh, and he still, I think as the season goes on, I think there's a chance you could see him move before the trade deadline. But, again, the thing with him is, uh, because he has played so much, if they lose him, you know, they can hold on to him for insurance and then get a, a compensatory pick next year that's going to be pretty good. Uh, they just don't want to give him up and get nothing in return uh, just for the money. Uh, so you have to you have to weigh that uh, by letting him go now. What you're losing in a compensatory draft pick going forward, so um, that that factors in on him. But sure, that that's in play as well. And he, uh, he, 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 but, the, other, he the other thing on McCallum is, is finances too. McCallum makes a little over five million this year. The Cowboys right now have five point five million in cap space. They. They keep a cushion of four million dollars going into every season. Doesn't it's an emergency fund? Don't you? Doesn't, so that it, doesn't them David? With David, doesn't everybody keep a four million dollar cushion? Don't you have four my, million? My cushion, my cushion's a little more deflated than that. Uh, um, but uh, should have bought Berkshire so Hathaway, about, like I told you. <laughs> I should have. You did though, but I I know you're a very generous man. You're you're willing to share that with me, and I appreciate that. Yeah, to the guy who ha- ha- tried to get me. Put off the podcast island. Yeah, right, David. Well, that, that's why that's why you don't have to work because you got all that money off the, the Hathaway. Yeah, but um, Hathaway. So, and but Ron Leary, you know, I, I've seen him in, in the locker room many times. He's not the kind of guy who who would be a disruptive force. Uh, oh no, not at all. He, he's no. he's just go, he's a quiet, go about your business kind of guy, isn't he? I mean, and he still gets along with all these offensive linemen. They were, you know, I see them together all the time. Uh, he's, he's part of the group. Uh, they respect how good he is. They, every, Hey, everyone here knows the situation that, you know, they they fell into somebody they did not expect to get in Lyle Collins, had to make a spot for him. It just turned out the spot happened to be Leary's. So, right. um, and, you know, there, there are long-term questions about Leary's health, which is why, if you remember, he has the bad knee. Cowboys had interest in him, the bad knee and the degenerative condition. Right. Um, and so there's, you know, some thought that, well, you know, we've maybe we've gotten the best of him. Maybe at some point, you know, this injury that we all felt was going to impact his career, uh, you start to notice it and you notice a decline in his play. That has not been in this training camp. And doctors will also tell you for all the degenerative conditions, they uh, red flag, if you will. Uh, a lot of them do show up, and you say, "Well, see, uh, th- this did happen." But sometimes there are athletes who get through, and uh, it's never an issue or, or hinder their career. And Ron Leary could be that guy. Uh, we just don't know yet. But but his what he has done to this point in this league, certainly he could start on the vast majority of offensive lines in this league. There's no question. So, speaking of degenerative knee conditions and bad knees, how's the Cowboys' second-round draft choice doing, Jalen Smith? Um, still working on the side, doing stuff with cords. Um, 
while Jerry keeps open the possibility of you know him playing this year, I I haven't spoken to anyone who seriously considers that it's an option that he would be available to play at any point this season. Uh, they took him uh, with the knowledge and and the and the expectations of you know this is going to take a year, and uh, we believe he's going to be right. Otherwise, you you shouldn't and wouldn't spend a second-round pick on a player you don't think is going to be ready for you in 2017. Um, but look, let's not even push the issue or force the issue this year. Uh, let's get him ready. Let's let's put this base in. He's, he's a good guy, and just we'll go from there. And uh, how's Andrew Gatchkar looking? Uh, what, what's, what's, what's the uh, verdict on his injury? Well, that's a uh, – there's a fracture at the base of his thumb – Meyer saying he's going to be out three, and that happened last week, so now you're looking at two to three weeks left before he returns. So it's right around the start of the regular season, and he will need to play the season in a, in a soft cast. And that's how does that affect the linebacking situation? Has it, or are they just confident he'll well, do that? Well, there are a lot. I mean, there are a lot of guys there. I mean, Damian Wilson had a really good offseason. Um, he hasn't practiced yet due to his uh, bizarre paintball injury. Right. Uh, you know, Kyle Wilbur has a bad back. He hasn't been doing a lot out there. I uh, hadn't been doing anything lately. Uh, Justin Durant, who they signed to bring in, um, he's they're still getting him. He's a veteran guy. They're going very slow with him. They're getting him in in shape to where he can contribute by by the start of the season. So they're very. They're very thin at linebacker right now as far as these reps and getting through practice. In fact, uh, um, you know, an old North Texas guy, Derek Akune, is getting a lot of time out there and uh, has really impressed them with his ability to pick up the system and be in the right spot. Uh, He's an undersized guy, but it's not unusual to be undersized in the defensive front in Rod Marinelli's scheme because it, it emphasizes speed over size. So, We'll, we'll see how it shakes out. The thing is, all of these guys should be back uh, with uh, you know a week to ten days left in the in the preseason, or at least in training camp before the season starts. So, I don't think you've gotten a real good look at what you're going to have at linebacker yet, and you certainly haven't gotten a good look at what you do or don't have in the defensive line uh, because all of the players out there. In, in fact, I'll say they, they're going to get three back today: uh, Tyron Crawford. Uh, Terrell McLean and Cedric Thornton, who have all missed time here over the last week, are all expected to be back in practice today. Um, it, it reached a point they were down on that that one technique, the basically the nose tackle in this scheme. Uh, they had so they had so many players out that the starting defensive tackle over the last three days of practice was your former SMU player. Zach Wood. Wow. Who? Wow. So but I, I, that makes me feel good. I thought you were going to say it was Evan Grant, and then I, I <laughs> then, then I was going to that that would make me feel good, feel bad. Well, I mean, Zach Wood I, is better than Evan Grant at, at nose tackle. Uh, uh, let me ask you this: I missed the. I, I was. <laughs> so try- what were you going to say? What were you going to say? No, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. Your thought. Go ahead. No, no. I, I missed. I was traveling. I missed the blue white scrimmage. Um, oh my god! What did I miss? What an oversight. You missed a practice like any other practice, except for the final 12 to 14 plays. They put all of the 
some second teamers, third teamers, and uh, uh, body body fillers at, at the roster to help you get through camp. They all got to tackle, so they get out there and actually tackle for the first time in camp. Um, but it, but in that scene, you also saw. I mean, Dak Prescott and. Uh, uh, Jameel Showers. Actually, Jameel Showers ran everything in the scrimmage because Zach Prescott took all of the situational work just before it. Right. So it's really, it is really no different than any other practice, except for the fact they end it with 12 plays of, of tackling and going to the ground. But all of those players are rookies or, or players that, that you haven't heard of and have very little shot of, of making the roster. Well, I, I've almost exhausted my list of questions. Do you have any questions for me? Yeah, well, what have you been doing with your time off? Uh, I've been on vacation and uh, basically didn't haven't gone anywhere. And, oh, a vacation uh, then? Uh, yes, yes, yes. But here's the good news. Berkshire Hathaway, I'm just looking, is up $2,000 a share today. <laughs> that is? Wow. So... Give me, give me the give, give me the most surprising plus player you've seen in camp. The guy you go, wow. You know, I, there hasn't been a lot of wow in this camp. Uh, in past camps, um, even though you knew how good he was, there were constant wow moments by Des Bryant. Um, you still see those. Not as much as you did in the past, or maybe some of it is you just become accustomed to it because he does it so often. Right. Um, but you know, he he didn't play a lot last year in camp, and so the the number of compelling plays that you drop your jaw, that still makes more of them than anyone else out here. But it's probably still not to the percentage it was before the injury or before last season. Right. So. I think he's still working his way back in shape, but I mean, you certainly see that he's, you know, working back to that point. Um, you know, the, again, there's a there's a receiver, Andy Jones, that's been doing some some nice things in this camp. Uh, he catches your eye. He's a tall receiver, good speed, but when you start looking at the numbers, he's a, he's a nice camp story, and you notice him, but it's hard to see how he's going to make uh, the 53 man roster. Um, I, I don't think they're going to keep more than five wide receivers. I'm not sure who you would knock out to do it. So um, you notice him and you go, hey, um, he's doing some good things. I, again, you know, uh, I, I hesitate to say wow, but, but you notice Jeff Swain, the tight end. I think he's had a very good camp. You mentioned, uh, it, you mentioned him earlier. He's the uh, from the University of Texas, correct? Texas, yeah, yeah. uh-huh. And um, you know he's and he's getting more of a chance out there. They they liked him last year, uh, but he's getting more of a chance because James Hanna has had a knee issue and right. he hasn't been out there. So he's getting a few more looks than what he would normally, and and I would say he's making the most of those. Um, but you know another guy that wow moments I don't know, but you, but you certainly notice him, and that's their uh, that's their sixth round pick, uh, the cornerback. Um, Anthony Brown. I, I think he's doing a pretty good job. And, and you talk to the other defensive players, uh, they certainly notice him, and they talk about uh, what a good camp he is having. You know, he he, uh, he intercepted Tony Romo on the first in his first practice. Um, since then, they're using him a lot at slot corner, 
which he's never played before, but he's picked up and he's done a good job in these practices. And then toward the end of last week, when they were resting uh, Orlando Skandrick and um, and Mo Claiborne, uh, excuse me, not Mo Claiborne, but Brandon Carr, uh, he was actually starting on the outside and uh, and played pretty well. I, I I will throw one other guy in because you don't see him allowed. You know, I would say probably the 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 best camp so far by a defensive player from talking to people and just what you see is Mo Claiborne. Uh, he's been outstanding early in camp. But I'll also point out he was he was very, very good in camp last year. So... And uh, had an injury at the end that kind of cut into that. And I thought he had a very solid season last year. But But if you're looking at a guy where people are saying, wow, he's really having a camp on the defensive side of the ball, I think you would point to Mo Claiborne first. Well, that's good news. So, watch what I do here. We just talked about who had the wow moment. That watch this this maneuver. Who has who's had who is the bow wow player that the of of camp? The guy who's you're you've been most disappointed in. You're such a wordsmith. I try. You always do this. You I, always do this. I tr- I try. An amazing skill. I try. That, that's what that's what that's what I work on when I'm on vacation. I I, I come up with these things, just like Jason Garrett. It t- t- took him all all offseason to come up with the you se- have your notebooks and you go through and see the, the uh, seventeen places you can turn. There you go. So who who's the who's the player that you you, you go? I thought he'd give us more. I thought he'd show more. Uh, you've been most disappointed in. Well. This guy hasn't shown much to me in, in a couple of years, so I don't know if I should be surprised that he hasn't shown much this camp. But receiver Devin Street, um, you just don't notice him out there. I mean, you notice Andy Jones, you notice the other guys, and they keep talking about Devin Street being in the mix, and, and I just don't see where he makes any plays or certainly enough plays out here uh, to, to warrant that type of consideration. Um, so I, I I would put him in there. Um, I'm I'm sure our headline writers uh, who will transcribe this will have a field day with that and uh, hit the street. Yes, I know. Yeah, hit the street or or, or something like that. So y- your your relationship with him might sour after after that. <laughs> it's uh, I guess I guess I'll have to live with the consequences. I, of that. I, I I guess anybody else any anybody of consequence anybody of consequence that that. You thought might be a, might be a, a producer this year, somebody who might produce. Who now you're thinking maybe not. Well, I, I you know, I, I don't think this guy isn't going to produce. But when you look at the defensive line and all the question marks there, and you you factor in that Demarcus Lawrence, who is their most productive defensive lineman from last year who remains on the roster is going to miss the first four games with the suspension. I would say you have to have a a strong season from Tyrone Crawford and you have to have it from the start. Uh, He's the guy that can stabilize this line and, and give you some push and give you a chance to be effective. Um, He wasn't at his best last year because he played most of the year with a torn rotator cuff and uh, he had that surgery was supposed to be fine, uh, talked to him on the first day of camp and said he was really feeling good and the shoulder wasn't an issue, and now he's been out for a week with a back issue. Uh, he's supposed to return today. Uh, they say it's minor, but this is a guy really for two years. Other players have pointed to is you know what, this, 
this guy is going to break out. And while he's played very good, especially two years ago, I don't know that it qualifies as a breakout player yet. And, right. and remember, this is you, you don't have the sacks from the line. I mean, this this line in total, everyone on the roster at the moment, which is going to be reduced. They have 15 players, but everyone on the roster at the moment accounts for a career total of 29.5 sacks. Oh, uh, Rick Rick Oslin would have a field day if he were with us now with that number. Yes, and you subtract you subtract the eight sacks that you're losing career sacks from Demarcus Lawrence because he's not going to be there to start the season. So for the first four games, you have a total of 21.5 sacks, career sacks combined in the defensive line. And, you know, Crawford's got to come up big. And this is the position, this is the three technique, this is the under tackle who gets to rush the quarterback on every single play, basically, in this scheme. And it, it is, in Rod Marinelli's scheme, uh, there are two pivot points. It's that under tackle spot and then the, the right defensive end. And, and you've got to get big numbers out of those. And if you, if you remember back, Jason Hatcher had a career year the first year Rod Marinelli was here with 11 sacks from that position. Um, you know, Tyron Crawford hasn't come close to 11 sacks. Right. So he, he needs to, in my mind, he, he needs to be a, a, an 8 to 10 sack player minimum uh, for this defensive line to to be effective, and, and you need to see that, and you need to see it from the start. So he needs to get back on the field, and he needs to give this team something if it's going to live up to the expectations that it has defensively, and uh, quiet all of these doubts and, and skepticism that is on the outside. All right, uh, I know before you before you deigned or dined to come on our, uh, the Dallas Morning News. Ballsy podcast. You were on, were you on with the Musers this morning on on the ticket? I may have been. Did yeah. they did they which which was more fun, being on with me or being on with them? Come on, come on, David. I I I would have to say when I'm done with this, just the fact I don't have to do either one is going to be the highlight of my morning. <laughs> David, that is not the positive reinforcement I was looking for. <laughs> I, you know, when we get done, I have to do a podcast. The other podcast we're doing today is with Evan Grant. So you're leaving me on a downer. Oh, how's that going to go? I'm, go, I'm, go, I'm on a downer now. Evan, spiral. He'll take, he'll take me way down. But I just want to thank you for taking the time. I know there's a, a, a two-hour time difference. I know you were out partying last night at Nobu. Is that, is that where the party was? I believe, yes. It is called Nobu in Malibu. Nobu in Malibu. Malibu. Did, did you did you take On the, the beach. Did you take the private jet down there or did you <laughs> The G five, Jerry's G five. Jerry G did no, you take we, off and go down there? But listen no, I, I just I used the Jim family helicopter on this one, but didn't need the plane. Thanks for being with us. I don't know if Evan will be with us again next week. I don't know where his schedule will take us will take him. I do know that Kevin will still be naked and afraid. In Rio or in Brazil, hopefully that is not a good visual. Well, I might add. Well, we're a podcast, thankfully, so so people don't have to get that. But thanks so much. I just want to tell everybody we also have a ballsy baseball podcast coming up with Evan Grant. So please, but, uh, if, he, but if you can only listen to one, listen to this one. Abso- absolutely. Well, you know, it, it, it's a cowboy podcast, so I, I think that it should outrate now do the Ranger podcast. I don't know what. <laughs> Three to one, three to one, four to one. If it doesn't, we're blaming you. 
We'll discuss discuss that with Evan to open his little podcast today. How's well, I, I, well, I have I have some bones to pick with him. Uh, he he was pretty receptive to your wanting to get me off the island. So, anyway, David, he set the tone. He set the tone last week. I will say that. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, thanks for being with us. Uh, no, Tom- Barry, thank you. No, no, I just, I just want to tell you that, that producer Tommy was only on his phone for about 18 of the 36 minutes <laughs> uh, of this podcast. And, he, and he, he's ready to That's say- not true. <laughs> oh, there he is. He's here. But thanks so much. That's better than Brian. That's better than Brian who just leaves the room and does whatever. Oh, he falls asleep. So, anyway, <laughs> thanks, David. Uh, look forward to talking to you again. Okay, thank you, guys. All right. Talk to you soon. Be well. Well, that was, that was the great David Moore. Uh, we're, we're moving on from the great David Moore to the great Evan Grant. We'll have a podcast with him. And until next week on uh, the Cowboy Ballsy Podcast, I'm Barry Horn saying thanks for listening. 